Chapter Twenty Three, Part Two of Mysteries of Paris, Volume One by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three, A House in the Rue du Temple, Part Two. While Madame Pipelet was thus delivering her domestic harangue upon the virtues of tripe and the powerful influence it possessed over even the patriotism of her husband, Rodolph was buried in the deepest and most sombre reflections the female whose visits to the house had just been detailed be she the marquise d'harville or any other individual had evidently long struggled with her imprudence ere she had brought herself to grant a first and second rendezvous and then terrified at the probable consequences of her imprudence a salutary remorse had in all probability prevented her from fulfilling her dangerous engagement it might be that the fine person this monsieur charles was described as possessing had captivated the senses of madame d'harville whom rodolph knew well as a woman of deep feeling high intellect and superior taste of an elevated turn of mind and a reputation unsullied by the faintest breath of slander after long and mature consideration he succeeded in persuading himself that the wife of his friend had nothing to do with the unknown female in the blue fiacre madame pipelet having completed her culinary arrangements resumed her conversation with rodolph and who lives on the second floor inquired he of the porteress why mother burette does a most wonderful woman at fortune-telling bless you she can read in your hand the same as a book and many quite first-rate people come to her to have the cards consulted when they are anxious about any particular matter she earns her weight in gold and that is not a trifle for she is a rare bundle of an old body however telling fortunes is only one of her means of gaining a livelihood why what does she do besides she keeps what you call a pawnbroker's shop upon a small scale i see your second-floor lodger lends out again the money she derives from her skill in foretelling events by reading the cards exactly so only she is cheaper and more easy to deal with than the regular pawnbrokers she does not confuse you with a heap of paper tickets and duplicates nothing of the sort now suppose some one brings mother burette a shirt worth three francs well she lends ten sous upon condition of being paid twenty at the end of the week otherwise she keeps the shirt for ever that is simple enough is it not always in round figures you see a child could understand it and the odd things she has brought her as pledges you would scarcely believe you can hardly guess what she sometimes is asked to lend upon i saw her once advance money upon a grey parrot that swore like a trooper the blackguard did a parrot but to what amount did she advance money i'll tell you the parrot was well known it belonged to a madame herbelot the widow of a factor living close by and it was also well understood that madame herbelot valued the parrot as much as she did her life well mother burette said to her i will lend you ten francs on your bird but if by this day week at twelve o'clock i do not receive twenty francs with interest it would amount to that in round numbers if i am not paid my twenty francs with the expenses of his keep i shall give your polly a trifling dose of arsenic mixed with his food she knew her customer well bless you however by this threat mother burette received her twenty francs at the end of seven days and madame herbelot got back her disagreeable screaming parrot mother burette has no other way of living besides the two you have named i suppose 
not that i know of i don't know however what to say of some rather sly and secret transactions carried on in a small room she never allows any one to enter except m bras rouge and an old one-eyed woman called la chouette rodolph opened his eyes with unmixed astonishment as these names sounded on his ear and the porteress interpreting the surprise of her future lodger according to her own notion said that name would make any one stare with astonishment certainly la chouette is uncommonly odd is it not it is indeed does the woman who is so styled come here frequently we saw her the day before yesterday for the first time these six weeks she was rather lame i observed and what do you suppose she wants with the fortune-telling woman that i do not know at least as to what takes place in the little room i was telling you of where la chouette alone is admitted with m bras rouge and mother burette i have however particularly observed that on those occasions the one-eyed woman always has a large bundle with her in her basket and that m bras rouge also carries a parcel of some size beneath his cloak and that they always return empty-handed and what can these packets contain the lord above knows for i don't only they kick up the devil's own row with them whatever they are and then such whiffs of sulphur charcoal and melted lead as you go up the stairs and blow 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 like a smith's forge i verily believe mother burette has dealings with the old one and practises magic in this private apartment leastways that is what m cesar bradamanti our third-floor lodger said to me a very clever individual is m cesar when i say an individual i mean an italian though he speaks as good french as you or me excepting his accent and that is nothing oh he is very clever indeed knows all about physic and pulls out teeth not for the sake of the money but the honour of his profession yes really sir for downright honour now suppose you had six decayed teeth and he says the same thing to all who choose to listen to him well then he will take out five for nothing and only charge you for the six besides which he sells all manner of remedies for all sorts of complaints diseases of the lungs coughs colds every complaint you can name but then he makes his own drugs and he has for his assistant the son of our principal lessee little tortillard he says that his master is going to buy himself a horse and a red coat and to sell his drugs in the market-places and that young tortillard is to be dressed like a page and be at the drum to attract customers this seems to me a very humble occupation for the son of your principal lessee why his father says unless he gets a pretty strong hand over him and a tolerably powerful taste of whipcord in the way of a sound thrashing every now and then he is safe to come to the scaffold and he is about the ugliest most spiteful ill-disposed young rascal one could wish to meet he has played more than one abominable trick upon poor m cesar bradamanti who is the best creature possible for he cured alfred of a rheumatic attack and i promise you we have not forgotten it yet there are some people wicked enough to but no i will not tell you it would make the hair of your head stand on end as alfred says if it were true it would send him to the galleys why what do you accuse him of 
oh i really cannot tell you i can't indeed for it is so then we will drop the subject and to say such things of a young man upon my life and soul it is too bad pray madame pipelet do not give yourself the trouble of saying any more about it let us speak of other matters why i don't know but as you are to live in the house it is only fair and right to prepare you for any falsehoods you may hear i suppose you are sufficiently well off to make the acquaintance of m cesar bradamanti and unless you are put on your guard against these reports they might lead you to your breaking off with him so just put your ear down and i'll whisper what it is people say about him and the old woman in a low tone muttered a few words as rodolph inclined his head he started from her with mingled disgust and horror impossible exclaimed he surely human nature is not capable of such crimes shocking is it not but treat it as i do all scandals and lies what do you think the man who cured alfred's rheumatism who draws five teeth out of six for nothing who has testimonies testimonials from every prince and king in the world and above all pays as he goes down on the nail would go for to do such things not he i'll stake my blessed life upon it while madame pipelet thus vented her indignant opinion concerning the reports in circulation rodolph recalled to his memory the letter he had seen addressed to the quack dentist he remembered the counterfeited writing and the coarse common paper stained with tears which had well-nigh obliterated part of the address too well did he see in the mysterious grief-stained epistle the opening of a drama of deep and fearful import and while these sad presages filled his mind a powerful impression whispered within him that the dreadful doings ascribed to the italian were not altogether unfounded oh i declare here comes alfred exclaimed the portress now he will tell you his opinion of all these spiteful stories about poor m bradamanti bless you alfred thinks him as innocent as a lamb ever since he cured his rheumatics m pipelet entered the lodge with a grave magisterial air he was about sixty years of age comfortably fat with a large broad countenance strongly resembling in its cast and style the faces carved upon the far-famed nutcrackers of nuremberg a nose of more than ordinary proportions helping to complete the likeness an old and dingy-looking hat with a very deep brim surmounted the whole alfred who adhered to this upper ornament as tenaciously as his wife did to her brutus wig was further attired in an ancient green coat with immense flaps turned up with grease if so might be described the bright and shiny patches of long accumulated dirt which had given an entirely different hue to some portions of the garment but though clad in a hat and coat esteemed by pipelet and his wife as closely resembling full dress alfred had not laid aside the modest emblem of his trade but from his waist uprose the buff-coloured triangular front of his leathern apron partly concealing a waistcoat boasting nearly as great a variety of colours as did the patchwork counterpane of madame pipelet the porter's recognition of rodolph as he entered was gracious in the extreme but alas he smiled a melancholy welcome and his countenance and languid air marked a man of secret sorrow alfred said madame pipelet when she had introduced her two companions here is a gentleman after the apartment on the fourth floor and we have only been waiting for you to drink a glass of cordial he sent for this delicate attention won for rodolph the entire trust and confidence of the melancholy porter 
who touching the brim of his hat said in a deep bass voice worthy of being employed in a cathedral we shall give the gentlemen every satisfaction as porters and doubtless he will act the same by us as a lodger birds of a feather flock together as the proverb says then interrupting himself m pipelet anxiously added providing sir you are not a painter no i am not a painter but a plain merchant's clerk my most humble duty to you sir i congratulate you that nature did not make you one of those monsters called artists artists monsters returned rodolph tell me pray why you style them so instead of replying m pipelet elevated his clasped hands towards the ceiling and allowed a heavy sound between a grunt and a groan to escape his overcharged breast you must know sir said madame pipelet in a low tone to rodolph that painters have embittered alfred's life they have worried my poor old dear almost out of his senses and made him half stupefied as you see him now then speaking loud she added in a caressing tone oh never mind the blackguard there's a dear but try and forget all about it or you will be ill and unable to eat the nice tripe i have got for your dinner let us hope i shall have courage and firmness enough for all things replied m pipelet with a dignified and resigned air but he has done me much harm he has been my persecutor almost my executioner long have i suffered but now i despise him ah said he turning to rodolph never allow a painter to enter your doors they are the plague the ruin the destruction of a house you have then had a painter lodging with you i presume unhappily sir i did have one replied m pipelet with much bitterness and that one named cabrillon ah at the recollections brought back by this name the porter's declaration of courage and endurance utterly failed him and again his clenched fists were raised as though to invoke the vengeance he had so lately described himself as despising and was this individual the last occupant of the chamber i am about engaging inquired rodolph no no the last lodger was an excellent young man named m germain no this cabrillon had the room before he came ah sir since cabrillon left he has all but driven me stark staring mad did you then so much regret him asked rodolph regret him regret cabrillon screamed the astounded porter why only imagine Monsieur bras rouge paid him two quarters rent to induce him to quit the place for unluckily he had taken his apartments for a term what a scamp he was you have no idea of the horrible tricks he played off upon all the lodgers as well as us why just to give you one little proof of his villainy there was hardly a single wind instrument he did not make use of as a sort of annoyance to the lodgers from the french horn to the flageolet he made use of all and even carried his rascality so far as to play false and to keep blowing the same note for hours together it was enough to worry one out of one's senses well i suppose there were upwards of twenty different petitions sent to our chief lessee monsieur bras rouge to turn the beggar out and at last he was only got rid of by paying him two quarters rent rather droll is it not for a landlord to pay his lodger but bless you the house was so upset by him that he might have had any price so he would but take himself off however he did go 
and now you suppose we were clear of monsieur gabrion i'll tell you next night about eleven o'clock i was in bed when rap 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 comes to the gate i pulls up the string nobody walks up to my door how do you do porter says a voice will you oblige me with a lock of your hair somebody has mistaken the door says my wife so i calls out to the stranger you are wrong friend you want next door i think not returns the voice this is number seventeen is it not and the porter's name is pipelet i'm all right so please to open the door and oblige me with a lock of your beautiful hair my name is pipelet certainly answers i well then friend pipelet cabrion has sent me for a piece of your hair he says he must and he will have it as pipelet uttered the last words he gave his head a mournful shake and folding his arms assumed an attitude of martyr-like resolution do you perceive sir he sends to me his mortal enemy whom he overwhelmed with insults and continually outraged in every way to beg a lock of my hair a favour which even ladies have been known to refuse to a lover but supposing this cabrion had been as good a lodger as was m germain replied rodolph with some difficulty preserving the gravity of countenance do you think you might have accorded him the favour not to the best lodger that treads shoe-leather would i grant a similar request replied the man in the flapped hat waving it majestically over his brows as he spoke it is contrary to my principles and habits to give my hair to any one only i should have refused with the most scrupulous regard to politeness that is not all chimed in the porteress only conceive sir the abominable conduct of that cabrion who from morning to night at all hours and at all times sends a swarm of vagabonds like himself to ask alfred for a lock of his hair always for cabrion ah uh, monsieur sighed out poor pipelet had i committed the most atrocious crimes my sleep could not have been rendered more broken and unrefreshing scarcely do i fall into a doze than i wake starting with the idea of being called by that cursed cabrion i suspect everybody in each person who approaches me i see an emissary from my persecutor come to request a lock of my hair i am losing my good spirits my temper and becoming gloomy suspicious peevish and ill-natured this infernal cabrion has murdered my whole life and pipelet heaved so profound a sigh that his hat vibrating for some time from the consequences of the convulsive shake of the head occasioned thereby fell forward and completely veiled his care-stricken features i can well understand now said rodolph that you are not particularly partial to painters but i suppose the monsieur germain you were praising so highly made up for the bad treatment you received from monsieur cabrion yes yes sir as i told you monsieur germain was a delightful young man so honourable and kind-hearted open as the day and ever ready to serve and oblige he was cheerful and merry as need be but then he always kept his high spirits within proper bounds instead of worrying people to death by his unmeaning hoaxes like that cabrion who i wish was at the devil come come my good monsieur pipelet i must not let you thus excite yourself 
and who now is the person fortunate enough to possess such a pattern of a lodger as this monsieur germain seems to have been that is more than i can tell you no one knows whither he has gone nor are they likely except indeed through mademoiselle rigolette and who is mademoiselle rigolette demanded rodolph why she is a needlewoman also living on the fourth floor cried madame pipelet another pattern lodger always pays her rent in advance and keeps her little chamber so nice and clean then she is well behaved to every one so merry and happy like a bird though poor thing very like a caged bird obliged to work early and late to earn two francs a day and often not half that let her try ever so hard how does it happen that mademoiselle rigolette should be the only person entrusted with the secret of m germain's present abode why when he was going away he came to us and said returned madame pipelet i do not expect any letters but if by chance any should come please to give them to mademoiselle rigolette and she is well worthy of his confidence if his letters were filled with gold don't you think so alfred the fact is said the porter in a severe tone that i know no harm of mademoiselle rigolette excepting her permitting herself to be wheedled over by that vile scamp cabrion but you know alfred that nothing more than a few harmless attentions passed between them interrupted the portress for though mademoiselle rigolette is as merry as a kitten she is as prudent and correct as i am myself you should see the strong bolts she has inside her door and if her next-door neighbour will make love to her that is not her fault it follows as a matter of course when people are so close to each other it was just the same with the travelling clerk we had here before cabrion and so it was when m germain took the room this abominable painter occupied so as i say there is no blame to mademoiselle rigolette it arises out of the two rooms joining one another so closely naturally that brings about a little flirtation but nothing more so then it becomes a matter of course does it said rodolph that every one who occupies the apartment i am to have should make love to mademoiselle rigolette why of course monsieur how can you be good neighbours without it don't you see now imagine yourself lodging in the very next room to a nice pretty obliging young person like mademoiselle rigolette well then young people will be young people sometimes you want a light sometimes a few live coals to kindle up your fire maybe a little water for one is sure always to find plenty of fresh spring water at mademoiselle rigolette's she is never without it it is her only luxury she is like a little duck always dabbling in it and if she does happen to have a little leisure such a washing down of floors and cleaning of windows never the least soil or neglect about either herself or her apartment and so you will find and so m germain by reason of his close proximity to mademoiselle rigolette became what you style upon perfectly neighbourly terms with her oh bless you yes why the two seemed cut out for each other so young and so good-looking it was quite a pleasure to look at them as they came downstairs of a sunday to take the only walk poor things they could afford themselves throughout the week she dressed in a smart little cap and a gown that cost probably not more than twenty-five sous the l but made by herself and that so tastily that it became her as much as though it had been of satin he mind ye dressed and looking like a regular gentleman 
and m germain has not been to see mademoiselle rigolette i suppose since he quitted the house no monsieur unless on sunday for mademoiselle rigolette has no time during the other six days of the week to think of sweethearting why the poor girl rises at five or six o'clock and works incessantly till ten or eleven o'clock at night never once leaving her room except for a few minutes in the morning when she goes out to buy food for herself and her two canary birds and the three eat but very little just a penworth of milk a little bread some chickweed bird seed and clear fresh water and the whole three of them sing away as merrily as though they fared ever so sumptuously and mademoiselle rigolette is kind and charitable too as far as lies in her power that is to say she gives her time her sleep and her services for poor girl she can scarcely manage to keep herself by working closely for twelve hours a day those poor unfortunate creatures in the attics whom m bras rouge is going to turn into the streets in two or three days time if even he waits so long why mademoiselle rigolette and m germain sat up with the children night after night you have a distressed family then here distressed oh god bless you my good sir i think we have indeed why there are five young children an almost dying mother an idiotic grandmother and their only support a man who though he slaves like a negro cannot even get bread enough to eat and a capital workman he is too three hours sleep out of the twenty-four is all he allows himself and what sleep it is broken by his children crying for food by the groans of his sick wife tossing on her miserable straw bed or the idiotic screams of the poor bedridden old grandmother who sometimes howls like a wolf from hunger too for poor creature she has not sense or reason to know better and when she gets very hungry you may hear cries and screams all down the staircase horrible exclaimed rodolph with a shudder and does no one afford them any assistance truly sir we do all we can we are but poor ourselves however since the commandant has allowed me his paltry twelve francs a month for looking after his apartments i have managed once a week to make a little broth for these poor unfortunate creatures mademoiselle rigolette deprives herself of her night's rest and sits up poor girl though it burns her candles contriving out of one bit and the other of her cutting out to make up a few clothes for the children sometimes from the morsels left at her work she manages a small nightcap or gown and m germain who had not a franc more than he knew what to do with used to pretend from time to time that he had received a present of a few bottles of wine from his friends and morel that is the name of the workman with the sick family was sure to be invited to share it with him and it was really wonderful to see how refreshed and strengthened poor morel used to seem after m germain had made him take a good pull at his wine to put as he used to say a little life and soul into his half-exhausted body and the surgeon dentist what did he do for this wretched family monsieur bradamanti said the porter ah he cured my rheumatism and i owe him my eternal gratitude but from that day i said to my wife anastasia monsieur bradamanti hum hum did i not say so anastasia exactly that is precisely what you did say 
but I want to know what this Monsieur Bradamanti did to assist the poor starving beings in your garrets. Why, you see, Monsieur, when I mentioned to Monsieur Bradamanti the misery and utter destitution of poor Morel, by the way, he first began the conversation by complaining that the raving and screaming of the old idiot woman throughout the night for food prevented him from sleeping, and that he found it very unpleasant. However, he listened to my description of the state the whole family was in, and then he said, well, if they are so much distressed, you may tell them that if they want any teeth drawn, I will excuse them paying even for the sixth. I tell you what, Madame Pipelet, said Rodolph, I have a decidedly bad opinion of this man. And your female pawnbroker, was she more charitable? Very much after the fashion of Monsieur Bradamanti, said the porteress. She lent a few sous upon their wretched clothes every garment they had passed into her hands and even their last mattress but they were not long coming to the last for they never had but two but she gave them no further aid help them poor creatures not she mother burette is as great a brute in her way as her lover monsieur bras rouge is in his for between you and i added the porteress with an uncommonly knowing wink of the eye and a sagacious shake of the head there is something rather tender going on between these two really cried rodolph i think so i do upon my life and why not why the folks in st martin are as loving as the rest of the world are they not my old pet a melancholy shake of the head which produced a corresponding motion in the huge black hat was m pipelet's only answer as for madame pipelet since she had begun expressing sympathy for the poor sufferers in the attics her countenance had ceased to strike rodolph as repulsive and he even thought it wore an agreeable expression and what is this poor morel's trade a maker of false jewellery he works by the piece but dear me that sort of work is so much imitated and so cheaply got up that for a man can but work his best and he cannot do more than he can besides when you have got to find bread for seven persons without reckoning yourself it is rather a hard job i take it and though his eldest daughter does her best to assist the family she has but very little in her power how old is this daughter about eighteen and as lovely a young creature as you would see in a long summer's day she lives as servant with an old miserly fellow rich enough to buy and sell half of paris a notary named monsieur jacques ferrand monsieur jacques ferrand exclaimed rodolph surprised at the fresh coincidence which brought under his notice the very individual from whom or from whose confidential housekeeper he expected to glean so many particulars relative to la goualeuse monsieur jacques ferrand who lives in the rue du sentier do you mean inquired he the very same are you acquainted with him not at all but he does the law business for the firm i belong to ah then you must know that he is a regular money-grubbing old usurer but then let me do the man justice he is strictly religious and devout as a monk never absent from mass or vespers making his easter offerings and going regularly to confession if he ever enjoys himself it is only along with the priests drinking holy water and eating blessed bread oh he is almost a saint in the strictness of his life but then his heart is as hard as iron and as stern and rigid towards others as he is severe towards himself 
why poor louise daughter to our sick lodger has been his only servant for the last eighteen months and what a good girl she is gentle as a lamb in temper and disposition but willing as a horse to work and he only gives this poor thing who slaves herself to death for him eighteen francs a month not a farthing more i give you my word and out of this she only keeps back six francs for her own maintenance and hands over the other twelve to her starving family that has been all their dependence for some time past but when seven persons have to live upon it it does not go far but what does the father earn i mean provided he is industrious industrious god bless you he has always overworked himself he is the soberest steadiest creature alive and i verily believe that if he had the promise of obtaining any favour he liked to ask of heaven it would be that the day might be made doubly as long as it now is that he might earn bread enough to stop the cries of his starving brats then the father cannot earn enough if he were to try ever so hard it seems why the poor man was ill abed for three months and that threw them all behind his wife's health was quite ruined by the fatigue of nursing him and the severe want she experienced of common necessaries for herself and family she now lies in a dying state they have had nothing for all that period besides louise's wages and what they could obtain from mother burette upon the few wretched articles they could dispose of true the master for whom morel had worked advanced them a trifle out of respect for a man he had always found punctual and honest when he could work but la eight people only to be found in bread that is what i say just imagine how hard it must be to keep life and soul together upon such small means and if you could only see the hole they are huddled together in but do not let us talk any more about that monsieur for our dinner is ready and the very thought of their wretched garret turns my stomach however happily m bras rouge is going to clear the house of them when i say happily i don't mean it ill-naturedly in the least but since these poor morels have fallen into such misery and it is quite out of our power to help them why let them go and be miserable elsewhere it will be a heartache the less for us all but if they are turned out from here where will they go truly i don't know and how much can this poor workman earn daily when in health and without any calls upon his time or attention why if he had not to attend to his old mother nurse his sick wife and look after the five children he could earn his three or four francs a day because he works like a downright slave but now that at least three-quarters of his time are taken up with the family he can hardly manage to earn forty sous that is little indeed poor creatures yes it is easy to say poor creatures but there are so many equally poor creatures that as we can do nothing for them it is no use to worry ourselves about it is it alfred and talking of consoling ourselves there stands the cassia and we have never thought of tasting it to tell you the truth madame pipelet after what i have just heard i have no inclination to partake of it you and monsieur pipelet must drink my health in it when i am gone you are extremely kind sir said the porter but will you not like to see the rooms upstairs i shall be glad to do so if perfectly convenient and if they suit i will engage them at once and leave a deposit 
the porter followed by rodolph emerged from the gloomy lodge and proceeded upstairs End of chapter twenty three